Welcome back, Inebriates. Uh, this podcast episode is probably the longest one we've ever had in the making because we had to make a couple attempts at it. Um, we had some technical troubles. I think we're supposed to talk last week, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm here with David Liz, um, director of The Welder, which was awarded the best feature film by Spooky Empire. That's some uh, high accolades there. Um, but I was checking out the trailer, and it seemed like a very uh interesting horror movie and then like i was kind of like checking out i was actually did a little bit of research which is unusual for me but i saw it described as a social conscious horror slash thriller movie like what does that mean to andy that is a great question let me tell you um coming up with a a synopsis a log line for this film is it, kind of difficult because it's a horror film but it's also so much more <laughs> it has a little bit of everything you know it's like one of those we were inspired by like the slow burn horror films of the 70s the rosemary's babies mm -hmm. um you know carrie uh even the exorcist to a certain extent like we love those films that build 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 so in order to create that you have to have character development yeah. and so and we are a super low budget production as a matter of fact me and my co-writer manny delgadillo we wrote three scripts before this one, different concepts altogether. Mm -hmm. And the reason we decided to write the fourth, which was The Welder, is because we just simply could not afford to execute any of our other ideas. So we went small. We said, you know what? Let's write with limitations. Because, you know, in film school, they tell you write a script without limitations. Like you have a billion dollars, right? Yeah. And that's what we did. But that um, that led us to a place where we couldn't execute and... So when we're creating the welder, we're like, one of our limitations is few characters. Let's keep um, it at a cast of seven max. And mm -hmm. the main characters are really just three. And um, when you have so few characters, you have to develop them. Otherwise, there's nothing really going on in the film. Right. And um, so what what can be happening to to get these people, to give these people something, these characters something some meat on the bone and so manny and i are really like into like the stuff that's going on in the world politics and all this and like let's make like a social you know commentary type film and that's kind of like where we started coming up for ideas for the welder and you know our film talks about issues of racism issues of ptsd amongst military um it talks about interracial relationships it has it uh it, it touches on police and police brutality and how it's all about matter of perspective and relativity you know it, everyone has their story everyone has their perspective and since there's so much going on in 86 minutes mm -hmm. the log line going back we're circling back now to the, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. the question uh it's um it was difficult it was difficult to come up with something that made sense that was a log line that made sense that was true to the film so that's where we came up with that frankenstein of a log line but yeah that's that's kind of where it came from yeah it made me laugh it just made me think of like he kills you to add you to his mulch pile because he wants to live off grid to reduce his carbon footprint it was weird yeah it's went. one of those <laughs> and you know the film is kind of like one of these absurd concepts like obviously it would never happen in real life but yeah the fun thing about horror films is horror films allow for 
a larger scope or range of suspension of disbelief, right? You can Mm -hmm. have Michael Myers be shot, stabbed, decapitated, burned or whatever, and he's still living and you still believe it. And that's okay because it's a horror film and we suspend their disbelief along with other examples like a dog coming to life or a number of... House of a Thousand Corpses, where there's this family that murders and murders and murders and no one seems to notice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of like where we're uh, banking on with our absurdity and our in, in our concept. Nice. I really was fascinated by what you're talking about, kind of writing within a, a very rigid limitation. It made me sure. think of there's a um, an artist, his name's um, Phil Henson. And he talks about how he, you know, was kind of like a struggling artist and then got like, quote unquote, real job and was making decent money. And suddenly supplies weren't really as much of a, you know, an issue to get. Like he had options and he bought a bunch of supplies and he's like, now what? And he almost had to like (laughs) reset his limitations. Like, I think he was like, well, I'm going to I'm going to creative work of art for under like two dollars oh wow and like he set like really rigid limitations and that's when he became inspired and i feel like you can having too many options is almost crippling sometimes i agree oh man you're a hundred percent correct and also i think too when you have an unlimited budget um and you're writing with that mentality you just as an indie filmmaker you just become it becomes very impractical right you start yeah. creating star wars or, or titanic or, or lord of the rings or you know just and you can never execute that to the level of some of these guys who do have those budgets at the at the indie level so it, it really adding those 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 boundaries forces you to be creative with your resources and I love that. That that's that's really like, hey, you don't, you know, we don't have the money to um to to have a bunch of fake props, you know, uh mm-hmm. body parts or whatever. How do we shoot around it? How do we and then also we didn't have time either. We shot this in nine days. So um you know, shooting a feature is it is not the easiest thing to do, and doing it in nine days, even worse. Right. So we were all sleep deprived. We were filming in the dead of summer in south florida with the humidity at 100 <laughs> percent. i was gonna say that sounds super awesome yeah yeah it was uh you know quite torturous and I, but at the same time there was this weird serendipitous stuff that kept happening we kept like we would have something bad happen and then something good happen and it was mm-hmm. strange it was like this weird atmosphere but but everyone was enjoying themselves and everybody like felt like they were doing something cool and there were no egos. Like I, I think back at our time during production, those short nine days. And I think of it with nostalgia because it was like, we were finally after so many years making something that we really dreamt that we really wanted to do that. We dreamt about for a long time come to life. So it was, it was, it was really nice. It was pretty, pretty cool. I gotta say. Yeah. I always think of those struggles and it's always tough to keep, a positive mindset but i always in my head think of those experiences like okay this is boot camp 
you know, (laughs) it's going to suck for the short amount of time that we're doing it. But at the end, you know, we're going to come out a lean, mean, in this case, filmmaking machine or, or, or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's those experiences like you, you go through those hardships and then the next time around, you're like, oh, I mean, this isn't a big deal. The last time we did such and such. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can pull from the experience for sure. Yeah. And it, 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 I think it's all about kind of like said it, having those struggles and limitations is what makes you good. You know, when you have all the options and all the money in the world. I'm not saying you yeah. can't be good, but I just feel like you miss especially in a creative field i I feel like part of being creative is that struggle of trying to get it right getting it close to right and being happy and not happy at the same time and it's always a struggle like there's all i guarantee there's something that that you watch in the welder where you're like i just wish we had another shot or another day or oh yeah you know 10 more dollars you know Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you, look, this is my freshman film, my first feature film. I've done several shorts, of course, and all kinds of video productions from music videos to podcasts to all sorts of stuff. But this is my first feature. Features is where my heart lives. That's where I've always wanted to live. And I look at The Welder and I see all of its imperfections. Guys, Mm -hmm. when you I'm talking to your audience right now, when you watch this film, don't expect a masterpiece. My masterpiece has yet to be created. Give right. me time. But, <laughs> but under the circumstances, I'm very proud of it. I'm very, very proud of it. Um, you know, talking about some of those issues that we had, I think it, it, I, um, some of them definitely you can learn from, but others are unexpected and you don't even know what they're going to be. Like, for instance, three days before we shot, we got our car broken into and we got a bunch of our gear stolen. You know, we live in Miami and... That can happen. <laughs> so we had our gear stolen. We had to replace it last minute. Then one day before we start shooting, one of our actors was driving into town. He gets arrested um, on a frivolous charge. And now we think we're not going to have our actor, our one of our main actors on the first day. Then on the first day of production, the production vehicle, the van doesn't turn on. It doesn't turn over. We had to unpack it, put it into three different sedans to drive it to. I mean, like it goes on and on and on. And though we just obviously we'd get discouraged for a moment, but we're like, guys, we're making this happen. We have to make this happen. Nothing is going to stop us. Uh, But those are things you can't really plan for. And um, I think that having that positive outlook on it, wanting it really, really badly and not and knowing in your heart that you're going to make it happen no matter what is like sort of important, very important in this man, the stress. I just think back on it. And sometimes I I just like get nervous. I'm like, Oh my my gosh, I'm back. I've been transported. Like everything is going to collapse. I thought everything was going (laughs) to collapse at any moment, but uh, it didn't. And it it happened. And, and yeah, man, it's, it it makes you stronger. The next film I'm more prepared for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. Like I was, telling someone today about how it, it's kind of like you're talking about how like it's, it's going to happen we're going to make this happen and there's something about that kind of creative mindset where it's like half determination where you're like no this is happening and half like compulsion where you're like i have to make this happen um and it's it's such a 
it's a weird existence to kind of live in to be like a creative person because you're always second guessing yourself trying to push yourself trying to make something that people are going to want to see it, it you're you're basically juggling the whole time oh my gosh yeah absolutely everyone was wearing multiple hats on this i was not only producing but i on set i was directing i was the dp camera operator you know luckily we had some um some crew members it wasn't just like me and one other guy filming this right like we had a guy doing sound um nick nick barden awesome guy russian made it very fun on set always telling it cool uh, cool jokes from his country um mm -hmm. we had our uh makeup girl glavis and we had uh special our two special effects guys from miami who are amazing um emilio is one of them his <laughs> name's emilio but every time i say it i gotta say emilio <laughs> and tony and then of course we had um uh our, our camera assistant and um all that so we had some crew we didn't have to do everything all on our own but everyone wore multiple hats and and it was hard right because you're juggling all of this you have no sleep uh because you're working 18 hours nine days straight and it becomes hard to function it really does but there's like that adrenaline that that thing like that desire to get it done like like you said that the temporary pain for something that's going to be a longer lasting that's gonna um go out into the world and 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 say a story that you're not going to be able to tell yourself right your your film speaks for you mm -hmm. and then yeah. later on yeah the editing process which was another uh thing that we can talk about but anyways yeah like i'll digress for for a second no 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 um i didn't mean to interrupt but no, uh no. yeah and it, it it's in, in your art whatever it may be does i mean it goes out in the world and then it for better or for worse, it kind of lives forever, you know? Yeah. It, and it's it, not yours anymore, right? That's that's yeah. the way I see it. It's that's... like your baby, and then you feed the baby, you make sure the baby grows up healthy and strong, like, you know, you put in the work in your film and your movie and your art, and then eventually your baby, you allow it to grow, and it leaves you. And once it leaves you, that's it. It doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the world. And the world will perceive it the way the world wants to perceive it. And that's the way I see it. I've let go of the welder. The welder is now out there. It, you know, people can watch it. They can love it. They can hate it. They can understand it. They can misinterpret it. They can, uh, they can reach out to me and and tell me what they think. Whatever you know, they they, it belongs to them. That's my perspective, at least. Yeah, that's interesting. I hit. I've done um, some like public, um, installation type artwork. They they had um these fiberglass lobsters that they put all over town what and that they, sounds cool yeah and then they picked different artists in town and each artist painted their own lobster and and i was i was lucky enough to be chosen for one and it was interesting because so many friends of mine were like keeping an eye on it being like oh you know this happened to it or you know it looks like someone like tried to knock it out and in my mind the whole time i was making it i was kind of divorcing myself from really i don't want to say caring but like i had an expectation of this is going to be out in public yeah and it's going to belong to the public and hopefully people really enjoy it and yeah I, they did 
but it was also that kind of like there's a real world possibility that it will get stolen it will just disappear yeah you know or get damaged and it just became like yeah okay so it's out in the world it almost became to me interesting to see what would happen if anything happened like in that weird that's how the you know you're saying how that you, people will like it or dislike it in my mind it yeah. was people were respected or don't respect it or you know kids will vandalize it or whatever kind of became part of the part of the work in my mind is, is like how people interacted with it oh absolutely i think there's that part like it's funny you spend so much time on that art piece and that comes a moment where you have to separate yourself emotionally from it because you're 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 gonna get some hate for no matter how amazing even some people hate the mona lisa like Mm-hmm. There, no matter how much you love that piece of art, um, you're gonna get hate for it. And you know, like you have to have a thick skin, right? Because people will crap on your on your on your art. And there are gonna be people that love your art and, and tell you about it, and that's gonna like I guess motivate you and, and give you confidence and validate you. But at the same time, there's gonna be folks that do the complete opposite. And you just got to be prepared for that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard not to give too much weight to the negative. You know, like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. You can have five good comments and then yeah. one negative, and then you forget the five good ones. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's so true. Oh man, Andy, like, that's you like, you're speaking to me right now. I'm like, because <laughs> as the welder just came out, right? So we have like all these reviews coming out, and we have, you know, some good, some medium, and there's a couple out there that aren't that good. But, you know, you get all of these good ones and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you get that one bad one. You're like, oh, my poor little heart. No, but that's it. No. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, who is it? I think I want to say they do it on Jimmy Kimmel where they have like. Oh, the bad tweets or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm not saying he stole our idea, but um, <laughs> one, one of our uh, other podcasts is a restaurant podcast. And on the one of the very first episodes going back like seven years or so we were talking about Yelp okay, and how much restaurant people hate Yelp. And it, 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 it evolved into uh, the restaurant owners sitting there, like looking up bad reviews of their restaurants and kind of like being very cathartic and kind of like laughing at it. Or, yeah. you know, you get some being like, this was the worst steak and cheese sub I ever had. And they'd be like, <laughs> you don't fucking serve steak and cheese. Like, what are they talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, hopefully at some point you can reflect on those and kind of like take them with a grain of salt and, and find the humor in them, I guess. But yeah, it's, I agree. I, mean, I agree. Even, even just when someone's like, eh, you're like, yeah, yeah you know, no, we, we, we've gotten all, you know, we've gotten all kinds of responses and I think that you're absolutely right. And this is speaking to all artists, just be ready when you, cause you get lost in the creation. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what you are as an artist, right? You're a creator of whatever medium you use. But then it's like you're never ready for the reception. You might get like an amazing reception, but you spend so much time in the minutia of the creation that the insecurity, you spend a lot of time on it because there was insecurity in there somewhere, right? And I think all artists are hopelessly insecure, including myself. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when when we 
when we release, when we have a reception and it's positive, it's like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Wow. And then when and, and if it's the opposite and it's like negative, you're like, oh, I didn't, I did I was hoping that wouldn't happen, but I definitely didn't expect that. Yeah. So it's like you're never ready for it, no matter what it is. Let me let me ask you, because you're kind of in a, a pretty interesting area as far as creative people where someone could leave negative feedback and you take it as a compliment where they'd be like, Oh, this is the most disgusting piece of trash I've ever (laughs) seen. You know, it was horrible. And, you know, I had to go pray the rosary just because I, (laughs) you know, like, do you get those kind of compliments where you're like, it's negative, but I'm taking it as a compliment. Definitely. Yeah. There's a couple of scenes in the film where, it's a little bit disgusting and like we we really like uh played with the sound design to like just give you kind of like a visceral nasty kind of sensation and we've gotten a couple of comments about oh that's disgusting i can't see that oh i wanted a bar for whatever and and you're like thank you <laughs> that's amazing i'm like yeah wow, i'm so happy that's phenomenal okay uh anything else uh good you want to tell me about my film <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can't remember what the hell I drew. I drew something once and I had sent a picture to a friend of mine and she she for some reason she like showed her kid. She's like, oh, my kid, my my kid freaked out, was scared by the drawing you sent. I'm like, really? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's the intention. That That's kind of what I was shooting for. So yeah. great. <laughs> uh, why do you think people really enjoy being or some people i should say enjoy being scared like what is like what's that about that's a good question um i think people enjoy being scared in the comfort of a theater of comfort of their couch or their bed in general people don't like being scared of course right mm-hmm. real life things that scare you when you find out that your family member got into an accident or um your kid it, it uh was kidnapped i don't know this is extreme yeah. examples and i hope they never happen to any of us but those are like really scary real life things that we never want to happen to us but then at the same time we see things that are could be construed as far worse happening to other people while we're like comfortable sitting on the couch having a snack i don't know it's weird it's like is there a part of human nature that wants bad things to happen to other people? <laughs> I don't know. Um, because you know that it's not happening to you, right? Like, yeah. like, oh, thank God that over there is happening to somebody else and not to me. But at the same time, I'm I'm feeling like secondhand fear. But it's not so scary like that that I'd feel if something were to happen to one of my family members or or to myself. I don't know. There's like some psychological thing. We might have to bring a psychologist on the show to to really break it down. But I think at the heart of it, it's one of the few emotions that you can elicit Mm -hmm. rather universally using some pretty basic things. Like to get somebody to cry is a is 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 harder right because you have to really tug at certain emotional strings like in a drama right like if you're watching a drama about a you know father and a daughter you know a father and a daughter might cry but then like the mother may not or like the teenagers may not or you know 
whatever. For sure. Like that, that, and that changes. Like, I remember when I had kids, like, there were movies that, like, I broke down over and been like, what is wrong with me? Like, yeah, it's <laughs> never affected me before. This is a stupid sports movie. Like, you know, yeah. um, I remember there was one time I was watching. It was just like I just happened across. I want to say it's called like the rookie Dennis Quaid's playing like a baseball player that's basically too old to start playing baseball. But for some reason, he's. Oh, yeah. And I was watching as Home Alone and I'm literally tearing up and my uh, wife at the time comes in and she's like holding my newborn son and she's like are you crying? What is wrong with you? And I'm like, he's doing it for his son. <laughs> you know, it's like, it just hits you at the right time. You know, watching the now. rookie. I think that was the rookie. Yeah. yeah I think that was what it was called. And it, it's just weird. Like how it was so oddly specific, but now I'd probably be fine watching it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's at, and, and, but, but then when you watch a horror film and you watch somebody's like, you know, a head being chopped off or something like that, you're like, ah, like yeah. and, and no matter who you are you're gonna be hit by that uh it's not really specific to your personal situation per se obviously there's how desensitized you are to horror or whatever but some of that there's like that visceral thing that yeah like everybody's we all want to have our head chopped off yeah <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah and and it, and it, it even makes me think of like um America's funniest home videos. Oh yeah, yeah. There I love is that show. something funny about seeing someone fall down or get hit in the nuts, and it's universal. Everybody finds it funny. I loved that show, especially when, um, uh, man, what's his name? Danny Tanner. Uh, may he rest oh, in peace. Um, uh, <laughs> I forgot his name. I can't believe it. I actually uh, saw him in, um. In person, Bob Saget. There you go. Bob Saget. There you go. I, 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 I saw I, him. Like, huh? Oh, you, you saw him perform? Yeah, he was oh. actually performing at the Improv in Miami, of uh, a few months before he passed away, and he oh. was so cool, man. And as a matter of fact, like I, I said something. I was almost like a heckler, but <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "What did you say?" And I, and I was like trying to hide because, like, you know, it's dark in the audience. But then I yeah. just said. I just wanted to say that I loved you as Danny Tanner. <laughs> and the whole room started clapping and he's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that, that's anyway. Yeah. He, he's so different. Like. I, I did not grow up with uh, Full House. I was a little old for that. But oh, I mean, yeah. you look just, young, man. You look like you're my age. I don't know how old 35. you are. I'm, uh, I'm definitely older. I'm almost 50, 48. No way. Yeah. Man, you look good, brother. There's a lot more gray. So it's off camera. <laughs> uh, it's, just say it's blonde. <laughs> yeah. I just I just crop the 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 image so you don't see the gray in my beard. Um but yeah, like he he was such a different and that's kind of what I thought was cool about him it is he did something like Full House or um America's Funniest Home Video. But then he would do his stand up, which was some of like he's considered one of the filthiest stand up comics ever. Yeah, yeah. And I I love when people kind of have those kind of two sides that they get to explore. Like, are you like, do you want to do a romance? Are you just a a horror person? Like, do you want to get into like do a Marvel movie? Like, what what is like, what is your ideal career path? Well, for me, I think uh, um, I like horror films for sure. 
I'm a big fan of thrillers mm-hmm. and drama. Um, I just saw The Whale. Have you seen it yet? Oh, I haven't seen that. It looks really good. Phenomenal. Wow. I was blown away. I'm like, man, I want to do a drama. Like that was that hit me. Like that was good. It was so well done. Darren Aronofsky strike, uh, you know, another home run for him. But that that's really um really where I'd like to be drama, thriller, that kind of area. I want I definitely want to like continue to explore horror. I, I don't know if I'd ever jump into comedy, although I do believe that you have to include some comical things in your whatever you're doing because it's part of life. I, I, I'm a big fan of like fly on the wall. Okay. I like films that kind of feel almost like a documentary. It feels like real. I like realistic situations and although you would never know it from this uh movie <laughs> from the world <laughs> totally absurd concept definitely uh stretching my creative muscles with this one a little bit and, but and, yeah but I man mean, i feel like sometimes that's what you need with like a good horror movie because if you make it too real it kind of loses that it get, it gets too scary you know People Man, don't. let me tell you, some of the um, movies, uh, I'm trying to remember any kind of uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the that series of movies that is it. It was the same people that did like Annabelle and um, The Conjuring. OK, there you go. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. With um, oh, it was about uh, that, that, the, that the husband couple. and wife couple there. Yeah, um, I'm blanking. I forgot the their name, yeah. but let me tell you, those movies are too real. Like. I seen that. Like I remember when I first saw the first one, uh, I was in in the theater and I was so engulfed in the film. There was this one scene where like the hair stood up on my whole body, and I felt like like the demon was gonna go into my body. And I'm like, man, that's too real. Like 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 ghost stuff and demon stuff. Like that's <laughs> that's that- like real real it's crazy for me. Yeah, when I was a kid, those were always the horror movies that scared me the most. Is if oh you put goodness, yeah. based on a true story in front That's of a it. movie, it would scare the shit out of me. Yeah. And, yeah. and now as an adult, I'm, I understand, you know, air quotes based on a true story. But yeah. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> as a kid, you put that on, and I wouldn't sleep for days. because What's like, the one that scared you the most as a kid? Um, Amityville Horror was not fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was another one. God, what was it called? It was. Um, it was basically about ghosts. And I remember specifically that was like the first one that I saw that said like based on a true story. And then it was like very poltergeisty. I was probably too young to watch it because there's a scene where basically like this woman gets molested by the ghost. Um, God damn. What was it called? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. Um, but it was you're probably talking like like what the seventies, early eighties, maybe late seventies. Okay, it was like the apparition or something like that. That's definitely not the apparition, but it was like two words, like the something, and it yeah, referenced yeah. a haunt. Like it couldn't be the haunting. That just makes that seems too easy. Too easy. Too easy. Yeah, yeah. but something along those lines. I, I'd have to like really investigate it. Um, but yeah, I mean scared the crap out of me 
Man, no, no, no. Like, let me tell you, when I first, when I, one of the first horror movies that got me was It. Oh, that yeah. was, yeah. Like, the, 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 well, I guess it wasn't a movie. It was more of a miniseries, right? But yep. I guess that movie came out like in 1992 or something like that. And I must have been like five years old. And my mom, who is Latina, she doesn't speak any English. We're just like sitting on the couch, going through the channels and there she sees this movie about a clown and she just lets me watch it while she goes to the kitchen to do whatever she was going to do. <laughs> those, those best intentions of parents are just like, yeah, yeah sure. It's a clown. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like there watching it. And then it's like that one scene where like the, the room gets filled with blood and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> never forget that first moment of being traumatized by a film. That's, that's kind of like my where my love of film came from. Like, wow, this movie really made me scared. That's cool. <laughs> I think one of the things that got me most interested, because I've always been fascinated, like I love movies and stories of any kind. Um, but one of the things that got me really interested in creating was kind of seeing the behind the scenes of like movie oh. sets and like how things are made. And I remember specifically, uh, there's a movie called The Keep. And this is like the dawn of cable television. So HBO was fairly new and they did like a behind the scenes of like the making of the keep. And it was probably like a short, like 15 minute filler that they put in between movies. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's how they make that movie. That's cool. I want to see that movie now. And it's got like demons in it. And so I knew like almost nothing about the movie, just saw them doing some of the special effects and went down to the local video store and uh, convinced my mother to rent me the keep. And being a <laughs> parent, she looked at the back and there was no rating. Okay. And at the time, you know, like I said, vid the video stores were so new that no one really knew that no rating generally is a really bad rating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, like the keep was about like Nazis and there was like a super graphic sex scene in it. And she's like, really? what is this? And I'm like, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was probably like, I don't know, 10. That was way like, I don't even remember what the movie is about because it was so over my head. But, um, yeah, is it like the one where there's, there's like this one like monster looking thing with red eyes or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Again, like I haven't watched it yeah, in yeah. thirty some odd years, so I'd have to go back and like really watch it because he even at the time it was it was so over my head. I basically lost interest in it. But yeah, yeah, it was not a movie you should show to a little kid. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's uh, but that's one of like really one of the the first moments where I got like really interested in like the process of creating and like what goes into, you know, writing a movie and directing a movie and, and the special effects. And, and I've always been the person that like, I kind of miss DVDs because yeah they had the direct, the audio commentaries are some of my favorite. Yeah. I love it when you hear like the filmmakers talking about, you know, certain scenes. And I mean, that was so cool. And, and some of my favorites were like, the people you, you know, the filmmaker, like the director's great, actors are great. So they always have interesting stories, but some of the more interesting ones, I remember uh, I had Pleasantville and it had the commentary from the guy that wrote the score. Oh, cool. And it was just like, oh, wow, it's really fascinating to hear their side. And I had a, a copy, copy of Platoon that had the guy that was the um, 
military advisor and he would talk about like how like the movie was compared to the real world military and how things worked and what they did to make sure it was accurate and it's oh cool just to hear every every person's perspective on it you know is you know it's so cool because there's so many minds that go into making a film mm-hmm. and when you're just watching it in 90 minutes or two hours or whatever the film just comes together right and there's little thought on the viewer's mind except for trying to follow the story and having the emotions associated with but each one of those emotions that you're feeling was planned out by a group of people just doing their best to uh, um, make things make sense and keep you in the moment right because like there's nothing worse than like watching a film and then you're constantly coming out of the your suspension of disbelief and saying Oh, that military thing that wouldn't have never happened, or oh yeah, this yeah. would have never stupid. happened. Yeah, yeah, that's stupid. That would, you know, that kind of thing. There are people hard uh, work behind the scenes to try to make that process of watching the film as believable and as smooth as possible. And I love getting their perspectives, just like you said, right? The the, the sound guy, the the music, the composer, he had his own uh, thinking about like how where the music should go up, where it should go down. You know, where, yeah, what kind and of even, instruments. And even like him talking to me, like, oh, you know, the director wanted this song for this um, section of the movie. I didn't really agree with his, you know, thought process. I thought it should be something else. But, you know, in the end, he's a director. So it, it was just really fascinating. Yeah. Oh, man. It, absolutely. The sometimes, like, I, I'm the kind of director that I love to listen to my crew because I'm not all-knowing i'm not the little god of the set that i know everything um i know that some directors take that approach but for me i like to take the approach that i am working in a team and i want to hear everyone's perspective and sometimes other people's perspectives are better than mine and i will uh make a change accordingly so uh i've i've gotten feedback from actors saying hey what if we said the line this way okay let's try it I've gotten feedback from obviously the, the uh, our our composers that I don't know much about music really. Like I'm, I like to listen to music, but the creation of music, I don't play an instrument. I don't. I know what I like. I like. I'm like. I can tell my composer. Look, I want it to swell here, and I want it to. Uh, I want this moment to feel powerful, and you know, maybe use some strings here. But I leave it up to them to really sort of fill in the gaps, and and I trust their judgment. And I think you need to trust your team whenever you're doing work like this. Yeah, especially, I mean, you assembled those people for a reason, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I love to work with James Hall again, who did the music. He's from from London, and he's such a cool guy. Like, he's just so talented and worked so hard to make the like the film sound good. Man, he did. I'm telling you, people wore multiple hats. He wore the hat of the composer, but also he cleaned up all the audio. He added in all the sound effects. I mean, this guy basically did all the sound everything that you hear in the movie he did it (laughs) that's awesome um so the the other thing i've been watching probably too much of is these kind of um youtube videos of like all the things that you missed in such and such a movie and all like the little easter eggs were you the kind of person to put 
kind of like Easter eggs and hints or like little inside jokes in your movie? Or was that not even like on your radar? Um, You know, when we were creating the script and we had a bunch of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But as the production went underway and we found ourselves short on time, the they say that you write your film three times. Andy, so they say the first time, obviously, when you actually put it to paper. Yeah. And the second time when you're on set and you are confronted with all the natural challenges that come with being on a production. And then again, the last time when you're in editing and you have to like trim something, cut something out, cut the fat, as they say. So the first thing to go were all of those little things that we felt um, weren't priority i guess like they were fun when we were writing them but hopefully in our next film because we love that we love easter eggs i mean there are obviously nods to things like the welder is definitely a nod to michael myers yeah a nod to frankenstein you know like there are things like that but uh and then there are like uh some tiny ones but they're like nobody would know almost like inside jokes like there's like a there's like a photo in one of the scenes of my grandfather and you know, only my family. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 That kind of thing. But not nothing like super, super cool. Like how like some of these um, guys are doing these days just because we didn't really, unfortunately, have the time or budget to execute those. But yeah. we I hope to include some really cool Easter eggs in the next film I do. Are you planning a the welder part? Two? Would it would it be the welder part? Two? <laughs> We're thinking the, it's just going to be called thing? welder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a alien aliens thing. There you go. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, we actually have an outline completely written out exactly what would happen in the sequel. And man, I really think the sequel will be better than the first one. It's one of I think it's one of those situations because it's just uh, now that we laid down the groundwork. Perhaps the second one we can explore other. Cool, I mean, I mean, I I really I've gotten a lot of feedback from from the film, and there are so many cool ideas that can be incorporated into the sequel, and I'm definitely going to do that. But before we even think about a sequel, we have another film that we're working on. Can you talk about we'll, one? Yeah, we'll talk. We'll we'll go to that um, first before we. The thing is that there needs to be a need, a, a, a need for the welder part two. If yeah. the world says to us, hey, we loved part one and we want a, a sequel, we will give the world a sequel. And we know exactly what we're going to say and do in the sequel. But if not, <laughs> we have um, other ideas. And like I said, another idea that we're working on at the moment. Can you key us in on any? Oh, yeah, definitely. So... We are working on a script called Grandma, and it's a horror film. It's about basically the worst parts of having Alzheimer's. Now, oh, okay, yeah, we want to sort of explore this because my co-writer Manny Delgadillo, his grandmother had Alzheimer's up until she died, like for a few years. So he lived; they lived together, like in the same house, and he took care of her, and he saw her sort of like decline and and then my grandmother also and she um up until she died too she had alzheimer's for 10 years so we have like all of these experiences from the outside and it makes us think what's going on on the inside 
And so we really want to tell, like, and we haven't really seen this explored in horror films very much, mm. uh, the issue of Alzheimer's. And again, like, we love to talk about social issues, right? And <laughs> we want to incorporate it. And what's what's scarier, really, than losing your mind? It's scary for you as a loved one, but how terrible must it be for the person going through it? And so we're kind of ex- exploring that a little bit and within the horror context and that's just about all i can say for now yeah <laughs> that's, that's that's a really interesting concept because like you know I've, I've known um you know friends who've had you know grandparents go through that same type of thing and you know they're always like oh they don't even recognize me anymore and you'd be like oh my god can you imagine just like i never thought about it I mean, just not recognizing anybody and you know it, it's yeah that's i'm i'm fascinated i'd, I'd I'm really interested to to see that when that comes out. Called Grandma? Grandma. We just gotta we gotta find the the right grandma to play the role. <laughs> we haven't found her yet. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that that's key. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'd be We're like, do we get a young lady to like do the makeup, but then like can we afford the makeup to look at the level we wanted to? We're already talking about things like that and like Yeah. I feel like we you just go, get an older like you get an older actor. The the problem yeah. is that you know that the not not to the talent pool yeah the ta- the, right and then it's also like if it's a hit and there's a grandma too like how long are they going to be able to be involved yeah and, yeah true yeah. yeah i think grandma is going to be a oneer like yeah. it's going to be like no room for a sequel um not just i mean obviously there could be i don't know but i i, I don't know the way i in picture it the ending i have in mind ain't gonna be no sequel yeah, and <laughs> And I gotta say, that's some of my favorite movies. I love, I love a complete story. You know, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. I love franchises, GI Joe, Star Wars, you know, all of it. But I hate when there's like a forced sequel, right? You know, The Matrix is a phenomenal movie. The other two are garbage because they're like, oh, they're gonna make two more. And I'm like, why? It's over. Like the story's done let it go um just i i understand that you know they want to make more money off of the con the concept but it's just like if a story's done let it be done come up with something new yeah i agree i i agree and the matrix was such like a great example of that right because it's so it's like a complete film like you're done like you what else do you have to say but obviously it was so over (laughs) yeah it was it really was but hey, you know, um, that's what happens. The opportunity, like this is this is the thing, Andy. Like you strive to become an artist, and then you work and you work and you work, and you have failure after failure after failure, and then finally you have something. If you're lucky, that succeeds. Yeah. Now you have to capitalize on it because you don't know if you're going to have another one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it is that um, I call it uh, the wagon wheel issue. Okay. This uh, comes from a a story um, here living in Plymouth. There's 40 bars and restaurants within a mile stretch of road. And all of them have, you know, some music at least two nights a week. And so there's tons of musicians that live and, you know, make a a living playing music, but a lot of them are doing covers. Yeah. And I, I was kind of like in a rut with my art and I was talking to a musician and I'm like, and the song wagon wheel came up 
And he's like, I hate the song. He's like, I play the song every time because it's what people want to hear. It's what I get paid to do. And it's that fine line between wanting to be the starving artist who makes exactly what you want to make. And the guy who's like, I am a musician. I am lucky enough to play music for a living, but I have to play what other people want to hear or I'm not getting paid. And right. so it's the, that's the wagon wheel issue. How, like where on that, you know, uh, spectrum, do you want to be, do you want to be the guy who's only playing stuff just to get paid and not really enjoying it? Or do you want to be the guy who's making exactly what he wants to make the way he wants to make it? And no one cares. Exactly. Yeah. And he's making no money off of it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And he's working at Taco Bell or something. Uh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing, like finding that happy, happy medium, happy balance and try. And, and the thing is that you have to keep trying. You have to keep striving because once you stop, your chances of making it are over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I think there's like a, like there, I have a, a, some buddies, actually their music is in the movie. Uh, they have a band called Alter X and okay. they're the coolest guys. I've known them since high school. Well, they have like, they do covers, of course. They go and they they play at different bars and stuff like that. But what they'll do is they'll throw in an original, mm -hmm. like from, you know, from time to time. They'll be like, all right, guys, well, there's an original, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then after that, they'll continue singing what the people want to hear. And they've created a little bit of a following doing it like that. Yeah. And, and that's a great way to do it. Um, and then uh, there's, there's a, a local band around here who, you know, built up their following kind of doing it that way to the point where they only want to play their originals and they have enough following to do that. But sometimes you still got to, you know, pay the bills. So they actually, yeah, yeah. so if they're playing their, their music, they're under one band name. If they're going to be like a cover band, oh, okay, they go yeah. by a different band name. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what they're doing too. Yeah, these guys, it's smart, right? Because they don't want to be known as the cover. You know, they want to have their cake and eat it too, right? I get right, it. And exactly. I think that's super smart. Yeah. Um, where can people go to watch the welder, guys? If you want to watch the welder, go on Amazon Prime. Go on Tubi. It's on Google Play. It's on YouTube, and it's available now. People can go and watch it ASAP if they want to. Um, make sure you watch it with somebody who's brave. I was gonna watch uh, it with someone you love, <laughs> someone you love. Uh, and so let's and face yeah. it, that's why guys watch horror movies. Yeah, that's right. They, they hope the girl gets scared and grab onto them. Exactly. You know, <laughs> be realistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Um, where can people go to follow you to find out? You know, stuff like upcoming, like. Definitely. You know, that's a great question. Tabs yeah. on, you know, when grandma's coming out. Keep tabs on me, guys. Keep tabs. Check it out. You can find me on Instagram. That's like my main social media. I don't really use Facebook or anything else like that. But um, I'm on Instagram and my handle is at David Liz Films. But also, if you want to continue to follow the welder and support the welder, you can follow the Instagram for the welder, which is at the welder film. And also, we have a website, www.thewelderfilm.com. Nice. And we have all the updates going up on those two. 
And I'm going to make a little announcement, a little self-promotion here, David, if you don't mind. Do it. Do um, it. This, I, this may actually be the first time I've ever said this out loud. Um, to Uh-oh. More than like a small group of people. But uh, Inebriart is putting on their first horror convention in conjunction with um, America's Hometown Pod. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. America's Hometown Horror Podcast, uh, friends of the show, Woo! and Mayflower Brewery. And... Um, me and Dave were talking, and if I have my way, David's going to come up here and uh, oh, oh yeah, hang, I'd love hang to. out and uh, you know, I don't know if we can, I don't know what your contractual obligations are, but maybe we can do like a an airing of the welder. Oh, um, I'd love to show the welder. Yeah, yeah, we can. You know, that'd we'll, be we'll so be cool. Touch. I mean, we got to talk about like the details of it because it sounds like such a cool event, and I, I love supporting these kinds of like homegrown indie you know type things i think it's gonna be really cool and also i love boston and plymouth and especially that time of year with like it's like kind of like the fall and it's getting chilly we yep. don't really get that in miami it sucks it's like the, the weather sucks <laughs> you get in miami. less shitty <laughs> yeah like yeah. slightly less shitty like it goes from being 100 to being 98 yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I actually way back in the day, I had a comic book shop and I used to do all sorts of comic cons and horror conventions. Oh, cool. Horror conventions were always my favorite because people were people go to comic cons because they love it. But there's more of a investment aspect to it where they're like oh you know how much is this worth can i get a better deal if i go to this other dealer's table they're going to cut me this deal and at right. horror conventions they go i want that and you're like it's 120 dollars so like i don't care i want yeah it. <laughs> um like horror fans are so passionate and i th- i'm i think it's gonna i have big aspirations for this and i think it might go beyond what i'm expecting um but uh, that's so cool. No, yeah. no. Yeah. We definitely got to talk more about the details because I definitely don't want to miss it. Yeah, no, I, I, we would love to have you. You're, you're the right kind of person. That's you, you seem like I, I'm always one of those people who are like, I want it to be good, but I understand that plans can go sideways and it could end up being terrible. But sure, I feel like you're the kind of guy that even if no one showed up, you'd still be cool to hang out with. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it would be like, rah, 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 rah. you'd be like, whatever, man, we're in a hurry. <laughs> and Hey, hey, if if there's going to be some beer there, I'm going to be very happy. There's a lot of beer there. (laughs) And they're even talking about maybe doing an exclusive beer just for the event. So what? Okay, well, yeah, that's 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 it. Like you had me at beer. All right. Um, So, David, thank you for taking the time. Um, Obviously, I will be in touch with you more about that coming up. Our listeners will guarantee hear more as it gets uh, closer. But uh, you can count that as the official announcement. And uh, listeners, we will catch you guys again next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash inebriart to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns. Or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.